pockets. Yonder. Episode 5 of the Yonder Podcast. This week, we're interviewing 10UP's president and founder, Jake Goldman. 10UP is a fast-growing or fast-grown digital agency known for their WordPress work. I'm Jeff Robbins. I'm the co-founder of Lullabot. Uh, another digital agency. We've got a lot, of, a lot of digital agencies on the Yonder podcast. We get together every couple of weeks, uh, post a new podcast, interviews with people like Jake, who are running companies or big teams of distributed people, remote workers. Um, and that's what the Yonder podcast is, is uh, talking to people about remote work, and kind of uh, how that works, the future of work, all that kind of stuff. You can subscribe to the Yonder podcast. If you're not subscribed already, visit yonder.io. Uh, you can find links to iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play. You can get on our mailing list right there. Uh, and then we'll let you know when new podcasts are being posted and if you're inspired, if you're loving the Yonder podcast, please visit iTunes and uh, add a review. Um, it will help other people to find this podcast and um, help make it worth all the time and effort that goes into it. This podcast is brought to you by Lullabot. We create digital experience for the world's best brands. This week, we're proud to announce the redesign and relaunch of thisoldhouse.com. Old house, new website. Designed by Lullabot's outstanding design team and built on Drupal. This old house has been airing on PBS since 1979. We've helped update their digital presence and helped ready them for the next decade. Interested in working with Lullabot on your next project? Visit lullabot.com for more information. All right, let's talk to Jake Goldman. Hi, Jake. Welcome to the Yonder Podcast. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's see. We usually start these things by helping people to envision you in your natural environment. Where, where in the world are you? Uh, I am in the immensely exciting suburb uh, north of Sacramento, California, uh, called Roseville. I north am north of Sacramento. <laughs> yes, Fur north of Sacramento. Further, further on. Wow. Right. right. By the way most people measure it, that is even further uh, from San Francisco. Right. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> My natural environment looks something like a uh, like a 10 by 15 home office that I recently redecorated and actually has furniture and I'm told no longer looks like a dorm room. That's good. Um, we should all strive to adulthood. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, actual like not, you know, uh, family crafted furniture and things actually on walls. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a pretty neat experience. Cool. Cool. Um, well, tell us all about 10 up. Uh, um, yeah. What, what does 10 up do? And we'll eventually get to how you got started as a, as a distributed company. 
Yeah, so uh, should be a pretty familiar story for people that know you. So uh, 10up is a uh, fully distributed company that focuses in making finely crafted websites and tools uh, designed to make the web better for people creating content and telling stories on the web. So in less jargony terms, we're an agency. Um, we focus on making websites, web projects, tools for people that are making things on the web. Um, do that at about a scale of around 130 people, um, all distributed, uh, hence uh, obviously being on this show. Um, some of the things we're better known for, we're one of the largest contributors after uh, Automatic to WordPress itself. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. People know Helen Hosandi, who's our uh, uh, director of platform, mm-hmm. um, is one of the six lead developers of WordPress itself. Um, and then outside of that sort of like open source tech community, a lot of people uh, have probably seen our work in the form of sites like 538, uh, you know, AMC's uh, properties, websites, uh, and a lot of other, a lot of other high profile websites. Oh, which, uh, no, I'm, I'm not visiting the 538 website every day during the political <laughs> season. No, 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 no. I've never heard of that website. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you have this experience. Like, I, I am a little bit of a political junkie, and like, if you're like me, it's a very, it's very agonizing to both work on a site and want to be a consumer that enjoys the site. Yeah, yeah. Because I want to go there just to like turn off my like making website brains and yeah. read political news and read some sports news, and like you can't help finding that like that pixel that's off. <laughs> or like wondering what you were thinking with that typography. And it's really quite frustrating because it's such a good site. <laughs> yeah, I mean, normally you don't really notice it because you can't have an impact on it. But then, uh, then uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we built um, msnbc.com several yep. years ago, and I had the same sort of experience. It's it, There was even above that, it was sort of this like, well, why would I go there? That's work. I'm, it's like going to work by visiting yep. a, a website. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, and so how long has the company been around? So I formed the company in February of 2011. So that puts us at roughly five and a half years. Wow. Wow. And, you, and you've and you got to 130 people in, in five and a half years. That must have been a, a wild ride. That's I think that's you took the words out of my mouth. I don't have a better <laughs> phrase for it. Yep. From cool. one uh, one person, just me sitting in a sitting in a small condo at that time, not far from you in uh, in Warwick, Rhode Island. Uh-huh. Um, working by myself, uh, lying to myself at the beginning and saying this time I'm going to stop managing people for a year and stop dealing with people and personnel and payroll and maybe have a few contractors and, and just uh, do some projects myself. Um, stopped lying to myself at some point uh, and uh, couldn't say no to good opportunities when they came knocking. And before I know it, here I am five and a half years later, uh, actually the Friday before our annual We All Get Together Summit, where I'm going to see uh, about 120 some out of our 130 employees. So wild ride is putting it lightly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. I don't even know where to start. So it started <laughs> as just you. Uh, and what did it look like the first few people joining you to become the company 10 up and, and, uh, and were those people also geographically geospatially separated from you? Uh, yes, sort of. (laughs) So, um, so the, the backstory, a little bit of backstory sort of put that question in context. So. I started 10up after finishing uh, at another agency that I had helped sort of grow up to about 15 people, um, sort of in your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. 
one of my philosophies that made me want to go towards distributed, one of them was this sense that like in a town like Providence, in a, you know, in an area of the country like that, it felt to me like when you're in a very specialized place in terms of the kind of skill and the kind of technology you're using, I really felt like when you got to roughly that 15 mark, you really start to feel the stretch um, of trying to do it in a co-located way. Yeah. And so when I started the company, I didn't start on day one. Like I said, on day one, I started by saying like a few remote contractors maybe, but for at least for a year, I'm not going to hire people. So it wasn't something that I was spending a lot of time thinking about. I sort of had in my head and remote is probably right, distributed is probably right, but I wasn't preoccupied mm-hmm. with the question. Um, then I started to bring on some contractors. The initial contractors, I sort of felt like there are one or two people in the area that I know. It might be nice if this has to be more of a mentoring kind of relationship for them to be local. So the first couple of people that I worked with weren't employees or just a couple of contractors, quickly went up to full-time, but started part-time. They did happen to be local, although most days we didn't actually sit next to each other. As it became clear that it was going to go beyond like a couple of contractors who happened to conveniently be local, it very much was, a, I'm going to find this talent wherever they are. Our first employee who was who was Helen Hosandi, the woman who's the lead uh, uh, the lead WordPress developer, um, I found through, uh, through Twitter of all places and just social media messaging um, and was nowhere near where I was living. Um, she was, uh, I think, just at the beginning of them at that time, Sad that I can't remember that clearly five years ago. She was at that time, I think, uh, beginning a move to Kansas, mm-hmm. or to Kansas City, rather. Um, I'm going to get one of those wrong. She's probably going to listen to this and, uh, and laugh at me. Um, point was not near me. Right. And so th- so there's also... Um, y- it's it's funny because working around open source projects like WordPress, like Drupal in the case of Lullabot, mm-hmm. uh, there's sort of this... Well, there's a little bit of a model. I mean, Automatic, who is uh, the company behind WordPress, is a, is a distributed company. Uh, but also, the project itself is distributed. There's people from all over the world who are working together, and it, it right. ends up being pretty efficient. And so, for me, with with Lullabot, it was sort of a model, right? It was sort of yep. like, look at this. Look at how efficient this can be. Uh, yep. And, uh, you know, there, there are there's at least ways to get work done like that. And so... Um, totally. It's not uncommon to find distributed companies that have sort of spawned out of open source projects of various types. In particular, there's a bunch of distributed WordPress companies and distributed Drupal companies. Uh, yep. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think that's accidental at all. I mean, it's safe to say in 2011, thinking on the horizon that distributed was the right choice, it was very easy with my being focused on WordPress as a platform to look at automatic and say, there's a role model there. Easy to look at companies at that time that were writing about that model, whose tools we were all using, like the you know the artist formerly known as 37 Signals. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't say there's a model there. Frankly, even my being located in Providence to look at a company like yours, which I've talked about as a model, and to say that there's some evidence that this works well, you pile onto the fact that like I was a core contributor to WordPress. I'd worked on the open source project, and you already have sort of a taste for, as you said, these teams can work remotely there's already sort of a culture and an ethos uh, of people working with these tools and working on that platform of working together in ways where we may never see each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And so you just kind of grew from there in, in that model. Um, and, uh, and so did, did you take more of the, uh, uh, 
that what do they refer to it the hockey stick curve like was it sort of slow growth at first and then it and then it picked up more quickly or has it been a pretty steady wild ride uh over the past five years um uh it was I, I, so I, I'm trying to think about that question. So I guess it depends on whether you're counting like raw number of people or percentage growth, what the stick looks like. Um, it's easy to say in year one, we went from one to eight. And so we had our craziest growth ever at 800 percent. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that probably <laughs> understates the impact of going right. at anniversary one to anniversary two of like eight to like 20 some. Right. Right. Um, yeah. 25. Like on a on a people count basis, it was very much a hockey stick. It was obviously, you know, good number of first people added in the first year and then probably du- roughly doubling for the next three years. Yeah. Uh, every year. Um I would say around our four year anniversary, around a year and a half ago, when we got to at that time, I think we were around 105, 110. We definitely started to level off both, I think, by intention of good God, we have to catch our breaths and it's just not sustainable to go from like 105 to 210 and not feel like any semblance of culture, any semblance of like sustained quality and experience is something you can hold. Mm-hmm. Adam can hold. So it was a little bit of like a, we, this is the point where we really need to slow down. We really need to catch our breaths. We really need to make sure now that we have a really strong model where we can work with the kind of customers we want and take on the biggest challenges. We have to catch our breath uh, here and probably a little bit of like around 130 for at least where we are right now seems to be the right size for the kind of projects we want to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of customers we want to work with while also feeling like it's sustainable, responsible, Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I always sort of feel like companies have sort of a, a right size. Um, and, uh, and that can change over time. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Where do, where do, uh, where do 10 up employees live? Ten up employees live everywhere. Um, we have so it gets to be a little bit less glib. Um, <laughs> we are uh, a probably, and it changes. You know, it definitely has changed over time. And I, it, I, I'm always sort of roughing the numbers here, but I'd say right at this moment in time, probably seventy five percent of the team is still U S based. Mm-hmm. Um, so predominantly U.S. based, completely spread across. We have people in most major cities. We have some people in Seattle, some people in Austin, some people in Portland, in San Francisco, in New York City, in Boston. So we have usually people at most major cities. And then we have people that are incredibly far flung, living on little islands, living in, you know, quiet towns in Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um so pretty, pretty, uh, pretty diverse in terms of the, the locations in the states. And then the other 25 percent are international. Probably about a third of those are from the, the distant mythical land of Canada. Um, it is mythical, isn't it? It how is. Do, myth- how do they live there? It's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> it can it sustain life. No, I. I kid. Speaking of all our Canadian listeners, California, like it's not that far apart from where you live. No, it's not. It really isn't. <laughs> I, it's like a five, six hour drive from here. It's really not that far away. And in fact, from here you get to, you're, you're in like Montreal and Quebec and, and it's a whole different language. It's different food. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, now it actually sound mythical. I, I was, I was trying to be a little uh, coy here. <laughs> um, well, that is mythical. The rest of it, they just say out differently. And, uh, that's yeah. <laughs> that was for much client confusion. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but then uh, and then the re- the the rest are again sort of very scattered. We've got a we've got a handful in India. We have people scattered throughout Europe. Uh, we've got in London, uh, someone in France. So it's you know very scattered. I'd say we don't have too many in Asia um, at this point. We do you know you know our philosophy as many companies are talking to is the best talent wherever they may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are very determined that communication, especially in a remote context, not cross the threshold of being a serious barrier right. to productivity. Yeah. So we're not like using like translators and. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah. Language, language issues, certainly. D- d- now, how about time zones and uh, sort of real time uh, versus asynchronous communication? So like, uh, do. Do you have meetings regularly, like phone calls, or are you using primarily online kinds of stuff? I mean, how do you communicate with your Indian team? Do they stay up late? Uh, It's a little bit of both. Um, So we are, we're not, you know, we are very big on, maybe this is sort of a transitional reality of remote companies, but we're very big on video conference. We're very big in a lot of face-to-face time. We're not in the same room, but there's a lot of the trappings of uh, just any other traditional company. Um, so it is a question that we have to deal with, with remote staff. That said, we are usually able to, once we get, you know, our sort of our groove with an individual employee, we're usually able to set things up such that as long as maybe we have a touch point before we sign, you know, somebody, a project manager in the state signs off for the day and maybe then again in their morning when that other employee signs on for the day, as long as there's a couple of touch points that we can accommodate scheduling wise, that sort of one hour spot where everybody can do their stand up. Right. We are pretty able to effectively do asynchronous, um, asynchronous work. Uh, you know, have tasks, have projects, have assignments, both big picture and individual. Like work on these tickets mm-hmm. uh, to work around that. We are pretty clear with international staff. Actually, before I say that, let me also say there are also places where that benefits us because we do have some customers that are international as well, and so we ideally we can even line it up so those they can help those customers uh, during their day. Um, with all of that said, we, we do set a pretty clear expect, expectation with international staff that they may be asked from time to time to have to deal with time shifting. Right. There are, you know, they can't, ex- if they're looking for like in your time zone, it's going to be okay to roll, you know, to quote, roll into your, you know, office next to your bedroom right. yeah. <laughs> uh, at 9 a.m. and feel confident that you can close down at 4.30 or 5. It's, it's not going to work. Yeah. There are going to be times we're going to have to say like, we're going to have to get, ha- you're going to have to get in the meeting at 9 p.m. Um, for the launch day uh, to coordinate together synchronously. We do our best to minimize that. We do our best to not make that very disruptive, but they have to be comfortable with the idea that that could be, that could be a necessity from time to time. Right. And, you know, just to remind people, you're, you're an agency and have clients uh, mm-hmm. who have their own needs and, uh, and oftentimes need to speak to people on the phone or video conferencing. Uh, yep. and, and it's not just enough to say, yeah, 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 he's... Uh, sleeping right now but but no the launch is going great uh things like that yeah yeah so lots of times those things are sort of determined by these outside forces the what we call the clients yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) gotta remember where the money comes from exactly (laughs) um that's it's really interesting i'm still uh i think you're the first person to have on the podcast that's even brought up this idea of language barriers this is something that we don't really uh you know there's things that are sort of uh, i think companies set up as as uh sort of non-starters it's like yeah we do all our 
work in English. And so we just hire people and they're going to, you know, we at Lullabot, we have several um, developers from, from Spain and it's been fascinating to watch their English getting so much better over time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, when they started out, it was really a little difficult to kind of understand what they were saying, but, uh, but, you know, there was never much of a question that they weren't going to meet, meet in English. Uh, Another, another one of those things is time zones. Um, do, Do you, have you set like, an area like do you would you hire people from uh eastern asia and australia i mean ha- have you sure yeah so it's it yeah I'm, i mean i'm not what we're going for is not again there on the time zone thing there is an expectation of like you're gonna fail if you think of this as you can only work nine to five um from time to time on the sort of the language front the goal is not like i need everybody to be a poet laureate Right. Who can sure. speak in prose. Right. Like there are definitely people on this team. You know, we've got a phenomenal product manager um, uh, that uh, lives in Germany. Right. And he's got a heavy accent. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's un- but he's there's a clumsy way of saying it, but he's he's understandable. Right. right. You could hold a conversation with him. And what I'm really looking for there in being very attentive to our culture and to sort of our our values and philosophy around how we all, everybody at the company from engineers to project managers should be expected to engage with the customer. Um, I'm really looking for not a binary you do or don't speak English. Frankly, there are some English speakers in the States that I don't (laughs) think would cross the threshold. Um, uh, What I'm really looking for is like, if I have to be sort of like in my virtual foxhole with you cranking out on this project with the stress of a deadline, with the stress of a site is down, with the stress of a customer who's breathing down our necks, I, the stress of it is taking me twice as long for us to get on the same page is taking us twice as long to get through, get out of that foxhole because I don't understand half the time because of too way too heavy of an accent or second language predilection because of, you know, sort of the cultural nuances of how you communicate in the language. I just that to me feels like it can be that kind of like a straw that breaks the camel's hump for people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, you have a great project manager, they're crushing it, and where they're just going to feel like I'm pulling my hair out and I need to quit because this is driving me nuts just trying to, like, get, help my team understand what I'm asking of them. Yeah, yeah. So it really comes predominantly from that, but not – and frankly, predominantly from internally the kind of, like – efficiency, fluidity, ability to have a culture and make jokes and, you know, uh, you know, and, but also from the perspective of like, we do have this philosophy of like, everybody should be able to talk to the customer, right? Not every request has to be filtered through somebody else, um, to get an answer. And I just, I, we're like Lullabot, we position ourselves as a premium team. We're not the cheap, cheap choice and nothing to be crass about it. I think nothing makes you feel like the cheap choice than speaking to somebody uh, on the other end of a phone call or ticket request who you can barely understand. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I I've said in the past is that in a distributed company, if you don't communicate, you don't exist. Uh, yeah. right. There is no nonverbal communication. It is no showing up and quietly working at your desk, you know, uh, um, that you have to tell people <laughs> that you're working. You have to tell people what you did, what you're going to do, all that kind of stuff. Um, which is different than language barriers, right? I think that, that it's just sort of whether you're willing to kind of reach out. Uh, um, have, are, have you found that there are people, whose personality is not 
sort of compatible with with remote work as you've been hiring all these people? Absolutely. But I actually think I'd go the opposite direction of where you might be leading me to. If anything, the personalities that I found are are most likely to be at friction with a distributed company are the ones that are very social, want to over-communicate. Interesting. Tell me more. In the sense that somebody that really looks to their job to be their social circle, that wants to spend a lot of time around the water cooler, that you know wants to be extroverted and party and, and naturally is inclined toward socializing with other human beings, not getting to spend much time with your colleagues face-to-face can actually be at friction. Huh. There is a sort of natural pull, I think, in a remote company to people who may have introverted tendencies who okay. may not naturally like to be very social. Now, they need to be able to overcome that. You know, they need to be able to be effective at communicating. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, but so long as they can be more intentional in their communication, it can actually be a better fit for people who are a little bit introverted. Um, and I guess to elaborate a little bit more on that. So um, the way I say it, which is not maybe entirely different than what you were saying. The way I say it is communication in a distributed company in a remote company needs to be much more intentional, but because it's much more intentional, it tends to be better. Sure. Yes. Communication. Yeah. Right. So like you can't count on the fact that, Oh, surely everybody has heard of this new initiative because we've been talking about it for weeks around the, around the, around the, you know, the water cooler. You need to make sure that you're telling the story of what are other teams working on? What else is going on with the company? Um, We actually even have like an internal podcast that's weekly. That's sort of like a, what's news in the company. Wow. Yeah. um, To help facilitate that. Um, So it does force people. It does force people to sort of say, you need to check in. We're going to have daily standups. We're going to have a weekly one-on-one you know, with your manager. I need you to let me know in tickets what you're doing. We need to coach people in that direction sometimes. But most people that are, at least that are good fits here, can do okay with that. And what they're sort of, this is a kind of a clumsy way of saying it, but at the same time, people that don't want work to be my, their work to be their social setting, they don't want to hang out around a water cooler. They're not naturally comfortable people walking in at it out of their space. It can, I think, gel very well with. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I'm drifting away, bit away from the. No, 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 no. I, I, yeah, I think that's yeah. I mean, you need people who are compatible with autonomy. Yep. Who who like the idea of like, oh, cool, I, I'm getting some space to really get the work done, uh, and um, people perhaps who are. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if this is about introversion and extroversion, but you know, sort of a, a kind of require more of a maybe it's more gregarious. I don't even know if it's that you know, but sort of require don't work so well with autonomy. You know, those people right. are right. gonna are gonna not work so well because autonomy is it's kind of synonymous with remote work, uh, and and for a lot of. Uh, business leaders that I've talked to who have sort of thought about remote work, oftentimes the the thing that, that one of the things that they're so afraid of is giving people that autonomy um, because, you know, there's trust issues and all that kind oh, of stuff. One of that, the, you know, one, so I have a few other thoughts here. So one of the things that makes, can make remote work, I think, especially compatible with an agency is most agencies... I mean, 
simply put, most agencies require by virtue of their customers some level of timekeeping mm-hmm. and time tracking. Our customers demand from us, I want to know what you worked on last week and where that time went. So it forces a discipline that may not be as natural to something that you know is more product centric or less time delivery centric. Mm-hmm forces a sort of record keeping processes standards for the team and the employees around what you did this week. Log your time, tell us how many hours you worked on this customer and what you got done. We're forced to do that. And so you sort of get better accountability through that process. Whereas I think a company that doesn't have that kind of like centricity around timekeeping and record keeping and accountability by virtue of their customers, um, there could be, there is more of a leap to be made in terms of trust and faith. Right. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Um, It's also worth saying that like a lot of the tools that we use now um, and the integrations that we use, like create a lot more transparency. So for example, um, you know, I happen to be working on a, I'm working on a project right now. that's actually on our own website. I'm working with a couple of developers on the team on the project. We, as I'm sure most of the world does now, we use Slack as our communications vehicle, we use a tool that I'm sure you're familiar with called Beanstalk to mm-hmm. manage private repositories and Git and uh, you know version control. Every single time that front-end engineer makes a commit to the repo or pushes something up to the staging site, I, there's an alert that drops in the room that tells me they just they just committed these three patches. They just closed these two tickets in the in the, in the, in Basecamp or in Jira. So there are also it's also worth saying that some of the ways that the tools have evolved. There's an awful lot of integrations that give you sort of a pulse and a heartbeat on sort of like what's happening, what's Absolutely. the progress, yeah. without needing to interrupt and say I just pushed this thing or right. I want to give an update right. about X and Y. Um, that frankly, when I talk about like intentionality of communication distributed companies, how much better is that than like? I feel like we're productive because when I walk around the cubicles, everybody seems busy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had those jobs and I was sitting there really <laughs> trying to look busy. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Despite I, the fact followed? that I felt like I wasn't being given enough work, but I didn't want busy work. And yeah. I still do the alt tab twitch sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> when my wife walks by my yeah, office. Just to, you know. <laughs> just for the memories, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, how how are you how are you finding and hiring all of these people? A good question, and that's that's changed a little bit over time. So we have we have a full time dedicated uh, recruitment manager, a uh, wonderful uh, woman named Christine. Um, her job is at this team to make sure that she is keeping, whether we have an immediate hiring need or not, to make sure that we are keeping, maintaining, grooming a rich funnel of potential applicants. And there's a whole longer soliloquy for me about like at an agency, like if you're not constantly looking, constantly recruiting, constantly having a plan for hiring, you're headed in the wrong direction. Um, but very practically speaking, she manages that. It comes through, it's, it's a... In approach for finding candidates, it's really, to be honest, a spaghetti against the wall kind of strategy. It's some element of speaking at conferences, making sure everybody reminds people when they speak at conferences that we're always hiring and looking for good candidates. It's traditional social media engagement. It's constantly reminding the team and incentivizing the team through things like bonuses to send referrals. Uh, It is some combination of recruiters whom we found to be more effective uh, going out there and bringing candidates to us that we might otherwise get exposure to. In hotter times of recruiting, it's postings on message boards and posting on job forums. It's our recruitment manager actively going out and uh, with like a 
LinkedIn recruiter account and searching and researching potential candidates and reaching out to them. So honestly, it's a little bit of everything with dedicate with one uh, with a staff person dedicated 100 percent to that pursuit. Wow. Yeah. So, so basically, the answer is everything. <laughs> That's right. Yep. So um, uh, another thing that I like to do on this podcast is sort of explain uh to someone that hasn't had you know but particularly company leaders managers who you know there are all these questions like how would you do this if i were to have a remote team and and related to what we're talking about right now hiring like what does it look like to hire someone that you can't sit down across the table from like what what is the process uh, how are you evaluating them are you just getting resumes are you are, in the, what what's the process uh, look like good question there's so much i can spend time on there i have so many uh probably silly jakeisms around hiring and um so jakeisms i like that <laughs> I'm going to start Jeffism. This, this, this is great. I could do this too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can all do it. Um, the, so first of all, I would say we do virtually sit across the table from them. We emphasize, we do a video chat uh -huh. uh, in the first interview. We do one starting with Christine. That's a more of a culture sort of who is 10 up. Tell us about yourself, sort of culture vetting interview. And then every interview, unless there's a really good reason why we can't, uh, every interview is done in video chat. In fact, frankly, one of the things we're even looking for there is like, can they be good on video? Sure. Is their internet is their internet connection any yep. good? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, to do a chat, there's a lot of things we get out of. So we are talking to them, looking at them, um, seeing. You know, there is a little bit of like, it's not quite the same as sitting at a table, but there's we we try to do a lot of that. The other thing to say is, regardless of whether you're doing it over a video chat or frankly over the phone or sitting down at a table at an office. Most of the studies and the work that I, body of work that I know of will tell you that chatting with somebody is the worst possible way to evaluate a candidate. <laughs> Going off your instinct of like they seemed like they were smart and personable. Maybe mm -hmm. if you're looking for like a like a community manager or an event planner or something, where those are like the, those are the qualities that you're looking for in the in the in the work. But the truth is like as much as we talk, as much as that's important, and we talk about like engineers talking to customers. Your schmooziness, your effective to be charismatic and attentive in an interview is a not a good indicator of your success as a designer or an engineer or you know an ad strategist. So our our recruiting system in, involves where where we can for a role, looking at samples and examples, talking to references and uh, and uh, trial projects. Uh, very small, discrete trial projects um, that range from project managers being given one or two from a set of like seven or eight that we have very specific exercises that we ask them to do. Uh, if we don't have adequate code samples from an engineer, we'll ask them. We have a few projects, very small, like plug-in projects we'll ask them to put together. Um, so it's much more focused on illustrating your ability uh, to begin with than it is with, than it has to do with how effective they are in that virtual sit down. Sure. And I would say, again, even if you're not a distributed company, going back to this like intentionality, we're forced to do things better. Even if you're not a distributed company, if the way you think you're effectively hiring and vetting candidates is, is based on your, you know, the effectiveness of that sit down across the table interview, I would say you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that that's sort of a theme of this podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm also starting to write a book about 
distributed management and running distributed company and remote work and stuff. And, and I'm finding the same kind of stuff. It's good tips for everyone. This is, this right. is, it's just kind of, you know, this sort of intentionality, uh, the, the saying I have is distributed is a discipline. It's, it's, it's ankle weights for management. It's, it's, uh, it, it's a little bit harder because you can't just high five someone and tell them, give them a good job. Hey, you know, you have to send an email. You have to be much more intentional about communications and everything. Uh, but I think it's a really yep. good discipline because it make, just makes for better communication. Yeah. And the truth is like, even those, even the arguments where like the, the way I look at it, which seems to be the way you look at it, you know, every, we know as people that have done, you know, been engineers, Everything is a trade-off, right? So ultimately, it comes down to the total cost-benefit uh, trade-off. And there are, let's not pretend, we're not, I don't pretend that there aren't challenges that are harder to overcome uh, with remote work. There are also challenges that I think are harder to overcome when you say, all of my best talent is going to live within 30 miles of me. Um, there are different challenges with both of those models. But the, I, I think the truth is, albeit <laughs> I'm biased, is that the, the hurdles you have when you're remote are falling down quickly. Um, and the hurdles you have when you're not remote seem to me to be getting more difficult in terms of people's lifestyles and connectedness, um, and the way that they can be focused or not attentive at their jobs, um, and how you measure that. And like, I mean, when you, you mean, say, you mean that, that there's the, the, the digital communication is becoming better and better. And, and so those hurdles are falling down the, the difficulty in connecting and being productive yeah. in a digital environment. Whereas as those things are getting better, people are wanting more flex time and they're resenting their commute. And, and, and so you're seeing yeah that hurdle become more of a problem for, for, to, to, to- Two very practical examples that I think of. Like one is when you said you can't high five somebody, I just got high fived in Slack twenty minutes before this call. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. got a cute see little emoticon that we have that gives uh-huh. me like a plus one thumbs up <laughs> in front of my peers. Right. I don't feel I maybe I'm just not a very physical guy, said every every engineer ever. Um maybe I'm just not a very physical guy, but like that to me felt just as good as somebody slapping my hands and it's there for, for posterity. I can go feel that high five again in well, 10 but minutes. B- better didn't, I mean, better than yeah. the, because yeah. it happens in, in Slack. It, it happens with intentionality. It happens out in the yes. room. It's, it's archived. You could take a, you know, if you feel really great about it, you could take a screenshot of it, you know, yeah. like it's, it's not so kind of ephemeral, uh, as, as that would be, uh, in, in, totally. a, in a brick and mortar environment. Totally. And the flip side of that is like when talking about like the walls rising on the other side, um, when we talk about like how you have to be intentional. So when you when you when you walk through the reasons people give you for why they think a, a, a being co-located uh, is a better option, they talk about things like distractions and being focused. Right. Did they miss when everybody has in their pocket a completely like they could entertain themselves all day sitting at their desks with right. their phone? Yeah. Right. Like the ways that you can be distracted, if you are counting on productivity being a consequence of being in the same room together. Right. Well, I just think that's not reality anymore. And there's also that sort of um, 90s startup trend uh, in the 2000s of putting everybody in the same room together uh so that everyone is you know sitting at these long tables and stuff and then people can't talk they can't talk on the phone they end up instant messaging each other uh from across the table so that they can have a private conversation and and uh yeah so 
Um, but yes, but we could just keep patting ourselves on the back all day. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and to be fair, I do think it is safe to say more sensitive conversations, more difficult conversations where emotion is more raw, um, where there are subtleties to pick up on, there is more friction there. Yeah. Right. That is a drawback. Um, you know, to, to our environment. But I just, I, I mean, obviously I just think, you know, compared to the trade-offs, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. What types of, uh, um, tools are you using? Do you feel like you've kind of come across any, not even just tools, but sort of techniques for keeping the company connected and, and productive and, and stuff like that? Do you, do you feel like you've had any yeah. kind of aha moments around that? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, we've definitely, I, I always feel like the tools, techniques, conversation, whatever it says about me is always sort of like the boring one, because um, I feel like there's such obvious conclusions in retrospect. Um, but, you know, certainly on like the tools front, I mentioned things like Slack and creating that virtual environment um, has been, you know, a critical evolution across the five and a half years happening during the, those five and a half years we've been around. I mentioned the weekly podcast. I think that weekly podcast and update, we have a dedicated communications manager, Um really has helped the team feel less siloed, feel yeah. less like they're walled off from what's going out, what's going on in the company and create some nice cultural. What um, happens on that podcast? What, what, what does that, is it just one person? Is it just your communications manager speaking or, or. So it's the, so in its literal form, it is uh, audio podcast with the communications manager uh, who has a good sense of humor. A guy named John Ragazine has a good sense of humor uh, about himself. I think has a good feel for our culture. Not, not just, it's not like morning announcements, plainly reading it out. He's got some sure. spirit and, <laughs> yeah. you know, into how he sort of tells the story. But it is him basically reading it with one exception, which is we always ha- we almost always have a feature at the toward the end of it called the management minute, where he is constantly collecting questions, concerns from the team, consolidates them into a question or two around a theme for somebody uh, in the senior management of the company to answer. And they record uh, somewhere you know, it's called the management minute, somewhere between a one and three or four minute reply um, that they record. Yeah. So, for example, it'll be like what? You know, I think in the in the corner of not hardball questions uh, leading to the summit, there was one about like, what are what's your advice for how the team, you know, for the team going into our big summit next week? Uh-huh. And so I recorded like a 60 second answer just around, you know, a uh, few tips for, you know, how to think about the week and how to get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, how do you. uh are, are there other ways that you broadcast to the company? Uh, at Lullabot, we started out with two all-team team calls a week, uh, one on Monday and one on Friday. And as we've grown bigger, we've kind of rearranged that a little bit. Now it just happens once a week. Um, are there... Twice well, a year. <laughs> really? Plus, plus, plus our summit. Wow. Um, with maybe okay. the exception of other special events, which we try not to do in video chats because I feel like it call often calls more attention than it deserves. Sure. Um, it's not easy to get 130 people across yeah. infinite time zones in the same space at the same time. Yep. So we have, we have a town hall, which is a useful tool. We do have a town hall meeting. So to step back one step further, we measure, so we set goals, measure company performance on the half year. Uh-huh. So it's like H1 of 2016 and H2 of 2016. Yeah. At the end of each of those halves, we do a town hall for about an hour and a half with the team, um, which is walking through 
both on like a more sort of cold calculating company basis. How did we do in terms of revenue and margin and utilization and on the sort of softer, what were some, you know, who else, who joined our team at that time? What were some of the big exciting projects we launched? Um, like give sort of the team a very transparent, but also, you know, feel good update uh, about how the company's doing. And then just a sort of like open ended Q and a for about 30 or 40 minutes. Right. Um, with the team. And that's in addition to, we have our annual all hand summit, which again is next week for us where there's another sort of bigger keynote and a lot of sessions together and activities together. Um, Let's talk about the summit. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, We've talked about this on, on previous podcasts, but like the role that in person and getting together plays uh, in your company. And it sounds like you're gearing up for next week for everyone getting together. Where where are you getting together? And uh, and what will happen there? So we are getting together uh, in Atlanta. Um, we tend to choose. Uh, I always feel like I have to defend that choice because I think people like think of like automatics, like retreats to like the Caribbean or something. And here I am, <laughs> we, like we going went to, Atlanta, to uh, going to Denver. <laughs> we went to Cancun, uh, or actually south of Cancun in Mexico uh, one year, and it was. Um, it was a lot of work. It was really, it yeah. was really challenging and a little bit scary just to, you know, make sure that everybody got there and stuff like that. So, um, yep. I think Atlanta sounds perfect. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, I think for us, it, it, you know, part of it is especially when you're at that 130 size and especially when you have, I would say, the generous way of saying it would be a very diverse group of personalities and tastes and personal interests. We are not a very homogenous culture in the sense of like everybody loves surfing or something. Sure. Um, so it's both. We found it. I'd say we found it once we got above 30, 40 employees. We a found it very difficult for an opinionated retreat to resonate with the whole team. Right. So like the classic example of this is like, I'll say, I think it would be awesome to go and uh, reserve a few, be- you know, a handful of beach houses, you know, on some beach somewhere. So a little bit off season, um, you know, and wouldn't that be a blast? And then people that are more sensitive to people's feelings than me will, will bring up like, actually, this person doesn't <laughs> feel this person who's a little bit overweight and a little bit conscious of their body really doesn't like the idea that we're going to be hanging out in the beach. Yeah, Some people just don't like beaches. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. So there's a little bit of like, when you get larger, it's hard to be very opinionated and actually not have at least some sizable fraction feel like half of them are like, this is going to be awesome. And then sort of half of them are like, Oh God, right. you know, why are we doing this? Um, so part of it is it kind of like strips away some of the more opinionated choices. And the other reality is, is like the biggest pain point of the summit when you have that international team is when you choose more far flung locations, the travel just become, can become unbearable, uh-huh. um, for some people. So we've tried to gravitate lately toward choosing major hubs just because somebody coming in from Germany or India doesn't want to take three legs. Sure. Um, and then have a three hour bus ride at the end. Yeah. You know, to some town like flying into a major U.S. hub like Atlanta, or at most they have one changeover, is like breath of fresh air. Yeah. And the truth is, we're not spending the time for the most part like sightseeing, right? right. We, you know, we spend, you know, we go to some nice restaurants in the area, and you can walk around downtown, but it's not like we're there for vacation. And right. You know, so ultimately, what matters is that we're together. And so, do you, at at this size, do you just do it at a hotel? Yeah, so we're staying at where uh, we're staying at the Omni. I think this will be like delivered after. This will be do. after, so people will yeah. not be able to to <laughs> yeah. stalk you. The, the, uh, you've uh, already missed the ten up uh, retreat, folks. Uh, you, you can you can apply for jobs online, please. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Pleased to both. Um, uh, so yeah, so we're staying at the Omni uh, in Atlanta, across from CNN Center, um, and uh, yeah, everybody we have you know everybody gets a room. Cool. And then we we also use the hotel as the, the conference center. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh, so th- some of the standard questions that that I ask uh, guests to the podcast. Um, uh, there's so many different terms around remote work. Uh, we call it remote. We call it, sometimes we call it the work remote, but the company distributed. Uh, how, how? What? What terminology do you like to use around all of this? That's a great question, and that's probably one of and my team would say I'm pretty obsessed with choice of words and terminology and vocabulary we use, and that's probably the one where I'm myself probably the loosest. Um, if you were to look at our website, we call our I think we call ourselves on like the about us. We we use distributed. I know why we use distributed, why we want to avoid sort of like the pejorative context of like you know remote. Certainly, I despise the phrase virtual, um, which some people use. Yeah. Uh, between like distribute and remote, distributed feels kind of more cachet, sexier, nicer word. But I also have to say, like, the more I think and probably overthink the phrase distributed, the more I'm convinced that nobody that's inside this industry has any idea what that means. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I sort of just find myself lately gravitating toward just saying we work remotely. Yeah, yeah, it's the it seems to be the the hashtag. <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. sort of more common thing yeah if you start looking for distributed work you know it's talking about like distributed computer processing and things right. like that that are all different things but yeah i know it's uh semantics i don't know we need we need to i think we should try to settle this call we need to come up with like a better word more importantly we need to come up with like a word that has like that same negative context of like virtual for yeah like cold- a whole new word to introduce into this they're not <laughs> actually you know the the, the phrase i really like and i, I may have i may have said this on the podcast already but i really like free range work um, Steve Park at the last uh, Yonder yeah. conference uh, um, brought up that phrase, and I really like it. Free range, like chickens. That's <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind. You know, cage-free employees. Yeah, yeah. We no don't, don't hold them. Yeah, it's organic, organic, free range. I feel like, we, I feel like we've, it's not just like a better word for what we do. I feel like we need like like the to the extent that I feel like virtual is sort of like a pejorative, even if it's not intended that way, phrase for our work. I feel like we need like geographically restricted companies as the alternative. Like oh, we need well, a that's... word to describe the other the other choice. Oh man, no, I know. Yeah, I, so I've been re- working on this book, and uh, it's really hard. Brick and mortar, conventional companies, uh, co-located companies. Um, you know, it's sort of just kind of keep dancing around the different words and sort of assume that people will kind of understand what what you mean but yeah i know i you know i think eventually it will all just be referred to as work uh yeah yeah um so what sort of things happen at the summit uh so the summit is uh, as I said before, the first thing that I feel like I need to clarify when some people get really excited about is it's not, you know, there are some elements of that, but it's not a vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not just all getting together to party, do a big party for four days, um, but there is some partying. Um, the first day of the summit, so one of the other nice things about doing hubs is most people can get in relatively early uh, on the first day and leave at the end of the last day because right. they're not dealing with a lot of transfers. So mm-hmm. we try to have everybody come in relatively early on Monday in the day. 
um, for most people that aren't like running the summit or, you know, giving key presentations in the summit, Monday is just a, is essentially a free day. Monday is spend some time with your colleagues, hang out in the city, relax. At, a, at 130 people, does it feel more like a conference or, um, or does it still feel like a, I don't know. I, 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 uh, you know, I mean, I, certainly I, the Lullabot events felt a little different when it was 17 people as when it's 60 people, but still feels like a company i'm guessing it's still there's still it's more like a high school class or something like that i would i would assume you know the sort of uh, connected yeah i I think it's probably fair to say most of it feels more like a i think a conference isn't a bad choice of words Uh um i mean there's a connotation of a conference i think around like you know there is still a sense of i think family yeah it's a little bit of a stronger word than I might choose to describe sort of like the way some people on the team have never met each other. Sure. Um, so more to be sort of like a large family reunion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. In some sense. It's not like, <laughs> how an are we related? How, how does this, <laughs> right. Your grandmother's you sister. Group? Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, there is that. Yeah. Some of the smaller hotels, like the literally there's that moments of like, I'm not even sure if this is someone that just wandered into my, into the bar or somebody that I work with. Right. Wow. That's a fascinating thing. Yeah. It, the retreats that, that Lullabot has done, usually we pretty much have the run of the place. Uh, but, right. but when there are other people there, you may have that other thing. Where they, they're just there for the free food, much like a family reunion. Right. <laughs> no, or it, you know, not even like in the conference room, but like, just like when you're like, you're sitting in the lobby or something. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah like yeah. that. You have that experience. Um, so I'd say it's a little bit like the better analogy. So it is on the second and third days. It is very conference format. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, we are doing sessions. There is a keynote that uh, I am feverishly trying to finish. Um, that's sort of like, a, where are we going? Sort of vision, things to focus on and improve on as a company, things we're doing well kind of story. Yeah. Um, and then there are a number of sessions, usually sort of around that theme on the first day. Um and then the second day, we sort of break out into groups where there's some engineering focus sessions, some UX and design focus sessions, some account focus sessions, um, and some fun stuff scattered in between, some more light material. There's a scavenger hunt. There are group you know, lunches and dinners. So there's some fun activities um, broken out uh, during it as well. But it is very conference style, um, the second and third day. But I think the feel is more like of the people you're with is again, I feel like that extended, that larger extended family reunion is the right analogy. Some yeah. people that you're like, Oh my God, big hug. I have been, you know, I can't believe it's been nine months since I saw you at that kickoff or something. Um, and then there's other people where it's like, and what, and when you do what? Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I can't be that guy. Like you know, I, 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 I have th- people that knows what everybody's doing. But. I think there's a funny interaction that happens, uh, at distributed companies. Uh, that's, that's pretty unique, which is the, we have video, chatted with each other a whole bunch of times height. but never actually met each other in person height. and so yeah well there's certainly the height issue but then you know there's sort of this like i recognize you but i've never seen you in three three, three dimensions but you know just sort of yes. this kind of like you want to give them a hug and then you realize like wait i don't do how well do we know each other like what do they hug yeah you know what how does that work you know I, totally yeah totally there's definitely that like awkward like i don't know what I'm supposed to, I'm used to waving at you. I don't know what your your deal is in terms of physical contact. Um, and the, the thing that always gets me is height. <laughs> yeah. and, and so for me, I don't know if this is like a I don't know if, I don't I'm not a short guy. I don't know if this is like a weird Napoleon thing, but like 
like every, everybody for me with a few like really short people exceptions everybody for me is taller than i expect <laughs> well on everybody, your computer screen they're just little <laughs> right right like everybody positions their camera and stuff where it's like and not even just type just like overall body size like everybody looks roughly the same size on those chats how so at your last uh company summit how how many people were there compared to this year Good question. Uh, I think the last one would have been, was around a hundred. Okay. I think we were at, at that time around 107 or 108. And, you know, we always have about, you know, about five to 10% that have, can't get their visa in time or are going on a maternity leave or, you know, something going on. The old can't get the visa in time. That's a right. <laughs> You've had all the excuses. It hurts the heart. Yeah. 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 Huh. Cool. Well, this, so this is one, this one should feel for the people that have been with the company for a long time. I think every year there was that sensation of like, oh, my God, how is it this big? Uh, again, this is completely different than my experience last year. I think this will be the first year where it doesn't feel dramatically different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, than the last year. Um, yeah. There's still for me, I will say there is always a sense of I think this is a good thing. There is always a sense of like awe. And doing it in person, like there's something about that maybe is good for one's objectivity and ego and, and, and mental health. There is something about running a company remotely that does not give you the same feeling of breath as when you literally are seeing everybody together. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, again, I've said this on, on previous Yonder podcasts, but having an office is also a marketing piece, right? There, There's and and um. And even sort of a status symbol. It's sort of a like yeah. as as the person that is uh, an executive at that company. You walk in and you say, "Wow, this makes me feel important." Or uh, or for you know potential clients and customers coming in, "Wow, this looks important." Um, and I think being um, distributed, being separated from each other, whatever terminology we want to use, um, kind of has the advantage of maybe I'm making air quotes here, keeping it real, you know, that, that it's, you're not kind of using that as a, as a crutch. I'm important because look at all these people. Uh, um, instead it's just like, Hey, let's get work done. Uh, but and so, but it can also be surprising to get together with all those people and say, wow, <laughs> yeah. look at all these people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the emotional, the, the emotional, you know, the emotional impact is a real thing, right? And even somebody that I, I think try, somebody that tries to think of themselves as trying to look at things more objectively than through just the emotional lens, which is how you get to something like the rationality behind a remote company. You know, I will say when I go and visit like other agencies or partners that have a co-located approach and sort of get the tour of the office where they've got their sort of like industry awards shelves and they've got their fancy conference room and they're like themed, uh, you know, their theme sets of the office. There is a, an emotional appeal, which uh, sure I won't say I'm envious of, but there's a little bit of like, this is neat and we don't, this is something we don't have. It's well, it almost seems intoxicating. Uh, yeah. Um, and 
<laughs> this is a really funny parallel. Uh, in the early 90s, uh, I was in a band and we were being courted by record labels. And we uh, they would bring us out to LA and they would take us out to places like the Viper Room, which is owned by Johnny Depp. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, look at all these people. This is amazing. And then going back to my hotel room afterwards and realizing like, this doesn't have anything to do with songwriting or making good music or the actual like the work of my work at the time uh it's intoxicating but it and and maybe there's a purpose for it maybe it's good it's good for networking marketing uh management all that kind of stuff but it isn't the same thing as the work you're totally right i think you're better articulating something i was trying to say um which is when i talk about like there's something sort of mentally healthy about not being in that intoxicated state all the time. And maybe that's just a reflection of my personality, but I feel like if I had that, and maybe it's just, you know, I'm flying by the seat of my pants here and thinking about this. It may just be that because it is such an infrequent thing for us that it's especially intoxicating. Um, but I think about like the sense of like, clum- again, clumsy wording, but the sense of like accomplishment, influence, even I'll use the, even use the word power that you have when you see like, wow, there's this many people and there's something about being together and in this space that I actually think is healthy to be away from most of the time. Right. Yeah. It, it forces yeah. you to not be enraptured in the emotional appeal of we are great because we exist. Yeah. And we are here together and sort of like forces you to think about it in a more objective yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm absolutely sure that there are people listening to this podcast right now that think we are insane. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they are right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but just because they're right doesn't mean we're wrong. <laughs> right. Right. Like, and and it, it is a very personal thing, but it's like, you know, I, I think of like, I'm always fascinated by, and this is extreme, right? And this is also sort of a silly parallel, parallel, but I always think of like, I'm always, I'm, I'm very fascinated by like, uh, in this morbid way by like total catastrophic business collapse stories. Um, <laughs> if my exec team is listening, they'll be laughing their heads off. Cause they think of me, I think as a, uh, somebody that tends to err toward the side of looking at the, uh, you know, pessimistic take might be a strong word, but the sort of like realistic negative scenarios that could, that could happen. It's part of being a company founder. You have to take a certain amount of paranoia with you. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. That you made me feel better. Um, but, uh, like, I, you know, I, I'm fascinated by stories of like how companies like Enron and those kind of companies collapse. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of it does seem to come down to like the hubris of like, look at us, look how big we are, look how important I am wandering through these halls. It's not to say you can't have hubris being in a remote company, but there's something about like, I just change out of my pajamas and walk down to my home office that I think does can keep your ego and your head a little bit more in check. Keeps yeah. you a little bit more grounded when you're in that leadership position in a bigger group. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping it real. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, this was a great conversation, Jake. I, uh, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, me too. I really appreciate the, uh, the invite. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, anything to add? Anything we didn't cover? I don't think so. Uh, I think you already mentioned, uh, per my whole, uh, recruiting spiel, uh, jobs at 10up or 10up.com. We're always uh, looking for great talent. Great. Thanks, Jake.